Are you looking for a way to support a loved one in recovery or show your own journey in a tangible way? Look no further than Simply Sober. Our recovery-based apparel company provides clothing, accessories, and activities designed to empower and support those on their journey to recovery. From sober-themed t-shirts, meaningful jewelry, and powerful recovery content, we have something for everyone. So let us help you express your recovery journey. Visit our website, simplysober.biz, today. It has been said that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. It's human connection. Here, we connect anonymously. This is Addicts in the Dark with Quick Nick. Simply Sober is dedicated to providing a wide range of products that can help individuals on their path towards recovery and a healthy lifestyle. Whether you're just starting out on your journey or have been in recovery for years, Simply Sober is something for everyone. Go to simplysober.biz for more. And a quick reminder to like Addicts in the Dark on TikTok, follow on Instagram, and rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's Color 31 and their story about addiction. in the dark hello how's it going uh it's going all right good so you'll have an hour at most no names no exact locations okay cool so i'm good to go if you are sure all right so tell me your story about addiction um addiction has been part of my life ever since i was born um it started with my mother who um, was addicted to um, alcohol and cocaine during pregnancy. So I was super low birth weight when I was born. Skipping ahead a few years, parents divorced. My mother, she was, you know, we're middle class. She, she was, um, she was successful at her job. However, over time I started to notice that she wasn't going to work that I knew she was, although she was trying to um, keep her drug use a secret, children are smart. So honestly, it was really just um, seeing her constantly struggle with addiction. Since they were separated, I would occasionally spend time with my father. He was kind of aware of what was going on, but Um, The judge decided during the custody I would stay with my mother. But long story short, I started noticing a pattern of my mother not going to work, my mother changing jobs. A lot of of visitors would come over, a lot of strangers, um, strangers that maybe just got released from prison, drug dealers. I was pretty much surrounded by this growing up until my father actually got custody of me when, let's say I was about 13 or 14. And so 
after seeing my mom struggle throughout those years, my father finally got custody. So now it kind of switched where I would see my mother on occasion, but full time for the most part with my father or the majority of time. The visits from my mother would be less frequent over the weekends. Um, she would call and cancel last minute. If she did come and visit me, it would maybe be, instead of the entire weekend, it would maybe be two hours here and there. And um, it wasn't very, um, she wasn't very affectionate, almost somewhat distant. So I started to have less and less contact with her over the years. And I remember I got a phone call from her and I had some belongings at her um, house, of course, when I would go stay the weekends, which I hadn't done in a while. But um, she called me and she actually told me that she sold all of my stuff. Um, keep in mind, I'm like 12, 13, 14 at this point. Um, sold my bicycle, sold my TV, sold my furniture, sold my clothes because she wanted to support her addiction. Um, and that was tough to hear. And for some reason, um, I kind of knew things were coming to an end. Um, she couldn't afford the house anymore. Um, barely any furniture or anything in the house. Um, barely any contact with her. And then one day, kind of just like that, I got the phone call that she overdosed. I believe it was cocaine. So my start to addiction, I mean, it was a pretty lengthy start. Um, and definitely um, had exposure um, pretty much all my life. Um, so growing up, wasn't really interested in drinking because of the experiences that I had as a child. So come, you know, senior year in high school, that's when a lot of people are going out partying. Um, I would go out, but I wouldn't drink. I wouldn't consume alcohol. I would see how my friends would act. And I just wasn't interested, you know, especially knowing the background, my experience that I've had with it and seeing people suffer with it. No, I wanted nothing to do with it until I graduated and there was a party. And I got to tell you that first, Mike's Hard Lemonade, Smirnoff Ice, one of those, I felt really, really good. Instantly hit me. Got drunk off one drink, had a great time. Senior, you know, graduating senior year, going on to college, you know, having a good time. So then Let's say maybe a couple of weeks later, parties over the summer. Well, so that increased to one, going from one to maybe two or three. And off of that, I was getting wasted and I loved the feeling. But it wasn't an everyday thing. It was still on occasion, but I loved it. Right around 20, I move out with a roommate thinking I'm a you know mature adult. I'm excited to go out. I'm excited to be 21, or close to 21, rather, because I remember trying to go to try to sneak into bars, do the whole, oh, sorry, forgot my ID, you know, trying to get served. And 21 hits, and it's super fun, and I'm drinking a whole lot more, but it's okay because I'm 21. Um, definitely times I shouldn't be driving, um, making poor decisions, going into work hungover. But, again, as a 21-year-old, it was okay. had a lot of energy. I could you know, maintain work, go in hungover, drink all night, sleep two hours, not a problem. Skip ahead a few years, the enjoyment 
and everything makes me want to drink more and more. So still in college, um, not really putting in a lot of effort, spending a lot of time drinking. You know, I'm happy with a D, a C. I really didn't care in college. Take the minimum amount of hours and just drink. And it was just the cycle. And that went on for years. I really wasn't working a job that required me to get up early. So I could stay up every night till 4 a.m. and party, get up at 4 p.m., go to work, work a few hours, continue the cycle. After a while, I start to notice that drinking changes me. I become more aggressive. It's kind of like the chemistry in my brain changed. I would be more confrontational towards friends. It would definitely put a strain on a lot of relationships, but I still continue to drink. So even, you know, after a few times of maybe embarrassing myself in front of close family and friends, still didn't care. You know, this is still in my cycle of either being drunk or hungover 24-7 for years. So people started to know this, notice that I was drinking a lot more, that I wasn't all that great to be around, really. I mean, sometimes it was either, it could go either way. I could be the life of the party, the, the funnest dude ever, or... Just a real scumbag. Maybe that impulsivity that was leading you to drink, maybe that same, those same impulses that couldn't be controlled were the same impulses that came out when you'd get aggressive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I truly believe, you know, that whole, you know, when they talk about nature versus nurture, I do believe, you know, it is a combination of both, you know, especially going in, um, getting an understanding of my mother's background with addiction and her family. And, you know, quite possibly that the genetics going to me and also being raised. Um, I was raised in the eighties. So let's say discipline was a little bit different in households that wouldn't be appropriate now. Um, so this, there wasn't a, um, a therapeutic approach to their discipline. It was definitely more aggressive with the belt or, um, you know, slaps when I was very young. So experiencing that, you know, especially um, as a kid, um, that's when you're super vulnerable. You know, that's when you start to see things that, you know, if your parents don't nurture you or love you appropriate, appropriately, then you know, that's where maybe a borderline personality disorder comes in. That's where PTSD. And I think that all that negativity and exposure to that while being brought up definitely has an effect over what happens later in life. With me, it was almost like something that I knew in my brain that was just sitting there. However, I wouldn't address it. So truly believe the alcohol would release that, but release that in not the healthiest of ways. And so almost kind of like the fight or flight response to where it almost just seemed like adrenaline. I'm upset. I'm dysregulated. Um, I'm just going to be aggressive, act out, black out. So yeah, I truly believe in a way I was kind of, yeah, I was absolutely set to go down that path of addiction and the negativity that comes with it. But um, yeah, just a lot of, um, Started with a lot of aggressiveness. Um, friends started to call me out, which then caused me to get upset with my friends. You know, um, why are they 
if we're drinking together and we're both getting drunk, even though I was acting aggressively and they weren't, well, that's not a big deal to me, right? Because maybe you don't want to be my friend anyway if you can't put up with me during the bad times. Um, so I started to lose friendships. Um, started to notice a pattern with um, my dating life. Whenever I would start to date somebody, um, it'd be fun to go out to the bar and I can get drunk, right? They don't know all my drunk stories. This is the first time I'm meeting this, meeting this person. So they're going to see the cool, fun, drunk me. They have no idea that, you know, the day before I was making a fool of myself, you know, getting kicked out of a bar somewhere else. They don't see that, you know. So I that's how, you know, it was an easy way to, to meet people and the alcohol boosted my confidence. But I noticed as the relationship went on and progressed, I would keep drinking. My partner would not. And I would either get mad that somebody called me out of my drinking or I would hide the fact that I was drinking. So that's when it goes to the airplane bottles or hiding cups, liquor bottles, wherever you can think of, anywhere, under the bed, under, under the cabinet. And that, as I'm telling you this and saying it out loud, it's kind of ridiculous to think that. I'm telling you all this, but at no point did I think I have a problem. So when a partner or friend would call me out, well, you know, they're the asshole, not me. I'm just, I'm just living life. I still got a job. I pay rent. I like to have a little bit of fun. How dare you tell me how to live my life? People would stop hanging out with me, but I didn't care because I had alcohol. I started to notice that my health was deteriorating that I wasn't as motivated at work. I did finally graduate college. So I did get my bachelor's degree, but yeah, there was a delayed process um, because of alcohol, because I was more concerned about partying. Still not worried about stopping though, because I'm having a good time. Um, you know, just doing this every day, just partying too much. I'm not paying the bills, I actually lose my job. That's okay because I got $200 in savings that's going to go to the liquor store next door. A bottle or two of vodka every day, you know, I didn't care about anything else. So at this point, my brain's still not telling me there's a problem, even though I lost my job. I only have $200 in savings. I'm not going to be able to pay rent. At this point, the $200 goes by quick. this point, I actually have to sleep in my car. And... I, I have to admit, this was not a wake-up call. This was, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to drive my car to the nearest liquor store, park on the side of the road about a block away, and that's just where I'm going to be till I can't be there anymore. Eventually, um, my family hears about the situation because I basically was just walking to a liquor store, sleeping in my car. Did this for maybe about a week or so till I finally just had to call my parents and ask for help. And sorry, when I say um, parents, I mean my father and stepmother. Um, at this point, I reached out for help. But it wasn't help to stop drinking. It was help to, I need a place to live. I probably need some extra cash. I just need help. 
luckily my parents are there for me because a lot of people may not have that. So that was my support system. Moved in with my parents. They knew about my drinking. They did not want me to drink. So I knew at this point, I've already lost my job. I was homeless for a brief period of time. Moved in with my family, but I decided I don't want to quit drinking yet. So I started sneaking in booze to my parents' house. I'll say I'm drinking, I do pretty well for a little bit. I hide it. I just drink at night. However, after a little bit, they started to notice that I was drinking. And the pain that I saw my dad have, it was hard. So I told myself that I wanted to quit drinking. And when I say stopped, did I stop drinking? Yes. For that moment in time. But I still have this addiction to feed. So at this point, I'm finding, you know, expired Oxycontins from maybe a dentist visit two years ago. Taking those, I realized that you can chug cough syrup and hallucinate. So then I replaced alcohol with expired medication and cough syrup. So at this point, I'm struggling a lot. And what you're talking about is a very common phenomenon, by the way, called addiction transfer, replacing one addiction with another, which can be very positive if channeled the right way. People can get addicted to healthy eating or exercise, which, like any addiction, can turn into a problem too. But anyways, for you, why do you think you were replacing one bad addiction with another bad addiction? I think for me, um, yeah, it definitely was replacing that one addiction for another. I think for me, um, I was so focused on not wanting to confront my thoughts and feelings of things that I've done in the past that I just wanted to block all that out. Because at this point, I didn't have a lot left, but sitting there alone, depressed, it obviously sucks. So the easy way out is to kind of drown out those feelings, those thoughts, just block it all out. Because I don't want to deal with it right now. And so, yeah, cough syrup turned into a thing for me for a little bit. And then, luckily, for some reason, I kind of stopped. And I think after after a little bit, I was thinking, oh, this, this isn't smart. This is, you know, talk about really killing yourself. Find the meaning in the mess and the magic of every day with Melissa Armstrong coaching. Go to strongarm.ca for more. That high on the cough syrup and pills, I, I take it you, it was a lot different. You didn't have that aggression. Oh, yeah, totally different. Totally different. Um, totally, yeah, the aggression was non-existent. No aggression. It was more just kind of want to stay away from people and kind of trip in my room. Yeah, l- luckily I was just like, this is this is ridiculous to just sit at my parents' house and drink cough syrup in my room. So, you know, I started looking at jobs, you know, started to be healthier, started to have a different mindset, started work, loved it, you know, started to kind of get into the field of social services. So working with people, people who, or I guess, you know, working with vulnerable populations. Um, I enjoyed it. And also it helped me to stay sober because... I cared a lot about what I did, and it would be a disservice to the individual if I'm getting drunk, I'm getting hungover, or being hungover, getting high, you know? So 
wasn't really interested in drinking. You know, I was working, um, actually made some friends. And this is all while I'm sober. So I start to see that like, hey, like I can actually afford a nice place, you know, meet new friends who aren't as concerned with partying. Um, I worked a good job and I would actually work overtime. I worked a part-time job. I figured out, you know, what I wanted to do for a career in my life. It's going great until COVID hit. When COVID hit, I really wasn't drinking a lot at this point. You know, I wasn't completely sober. Um, I would drink maybe once a month on a weekend before COVID. But when COVID hit, I realized that I could still do my job from home, not have to drive anywhere, not have to go to work. Or, I mean, I could sure as hell drive to the liquor store, but, you know, I would do that. But, hey, I didn't have to drive to work. I was drinking a lot more. Started to get more into like the liquor again. It wouldn't be uncommon for me to just buy a big bottle of a fireball and finish that throughout the day. At this point, I was living out of state, away from family. So I definitely didn't have, which I didn't realize at the time. I never thought about it until I was actually back in addiction, but I didn't have a support system. You know, nobody was checking, checking in on me, so I can drink as much as I want. I could do a half-assed job at work and, you know, blame it on COVID, say, oh, I didn't feel good, you know, or I wasn't able to get this done because working from home. So I was always trying to come up with excuses on, you know, why it's okay that I drink because I also knew that I was bringing in money. Like, what a perfect situation, right? I can party all day and get paid. Now, of course, this led to my decline in work performance significantly dropped. This also led to more drinking. This also led to my first DUI. Now, getting the DUI, that was a very big wake-up call. One thing, because this was all new, to, all new to me, spending time in jail, having your car towed, being an impound, having to go to court, having to go get an attorney, having to do all the stuff that's expensive and stressful, it sucked. I knew I would be on probation, so I knew I couldn't drink. However, that didn't stop me at the beginning because the whole court process, I don't know if it's because of COVID. I mean, I'm sure it's lengthy in general, but it took a while. But at this point, I'm still on probation. I'm not allowed to consume alcohol at all, which in a way that scared me. I was really upset with myself for getting the DUI. Um, I remember having to call my friends, family. I was super upset. Ironically, looking back about a week before I got a DUI, my parents were concerned about me. They were telling me, maybe I should check out AA. Sure, I'll check it out. Maybe I Googled it and didn't really, didn't think I had a problem, even after the DUI, you know, even before the DUI. One thing that really changed me was, um, yeah, you got to go to court. You get that DUI. That made me realize that could really um, fuck up my life. So I stopped drinking. I was on probation, had to do the courses, drug and alcohol courses. Um, I stayed sober, um, sober for two years because I'm not going to jail. Jail is a scary place. I'm not going to jail just because I decided to get drunk and get in the trouble the night before. So I chilled out. I stayed focused on work, worked a lot, met a girl. It was great. I get off probation, obviously super stoked, got a good relationship. Cool. Time to celebrate. 
first beer I had in two years, didn't even like the taste. But I'll be honest, it's still after that first drink, and especially after the next few, I was back to where I started. And I woke up one day, and for some reason I said, you know what? I'm not going to work today. I don't want to. This was my drunk slash hungover brain that convinced myself that it was a good idea to quit my job to drink. I knew that that was not a smart decision. But how do I avoid dealing with it? Because I don't want to think about that decision that I just made. I'm going to drink. I drank for about two months. I was lost. It was close to about a box of wine a day. From waking up to passing out in the middle of the day, maybe, to waking up from a three-hour nap, chugging some more wine, passing out for about 10 hours, waking up in the morning, doing it again. Of course, doing that the first week, like, whoa, I'm drinking a lot. Maybe need to cut that back. But no, I'll cut back next week. And then it was like, I'll cut back the week after that. I wasn't cutting back. I knew where this leads me. Nothing good. So I'm starting to get depressed because I know I'm an addict now. But what do I do? I just quit my job. I don't have insurance. Like, where do I go? I don't have insurance for detox. Um, Can I go away for 30 to 60 days? I guess I got to pay out of pocket. Do I go to the ER or are they even going to see me? Can I get on medication-assisted treatment? How much is that going to cost me? How long am I going to be there? I don't have money for that because I don't have a job. What do I do? Every day I would tell myself, this is the last day that I'm drinking. I'm get up tomorrow and go, tomorrow's a new day. I'm going to go work out. It's going to be great. Mm-mm. No. Every single day for six weeks, I couldn't stop. It was the same thing. Sitting at home getting drunk. My apartment was became a wreck. I wasn't showering. Um, even to walk out, I walk outside my apartment was a chore. If I checked the mail that day, I rewarded myself with the drink. I was so consumed by it. I was so caught up with it that that's all I could deal with. I didn't know what to do. And I'm I'm curious because a lot of these days at this point you're alone. So what would occupy your time while you were drinking? Um, a lot of it just consisted waking up. So let's say I wake up about nine or ten a.m. I wake up and I'm telling myself I'm not drinking that day. So I'm going to go today. I'm I'm going to go join a gym. I'm going to go do something. Maybe about five minutes later after I'm up, I realize, man, I don't feel good. My head hurts. I feel sick. What can make me feel better? Drinking. So yeah, about 10, 15 minutes into the day, hopefully you would have a glass of wine or two. Um, by that point, I'd go lay in bed, turn on Netflix, lay in bed. And actually towards the end of that like two-month binge, actually about right in the middle, that's when I started, I was drinking and then looking at places how to stop drinking. Um, I was going on Reddit and I was reading, you know, how to stay sober. I did, you know, paid for the sober app. So a lot of it, and it sounds so unproductive in a way, but well, I don't know if it was totally unproductive. You were at least getting drunk thinking about ways to not get drunk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. As, as far as that, yeah. Like, so yeah, I, I really didn't know what to do. Um, 
but I decided I, I couldn't keep doing it. I mean, I reached out to friends, um, friends that I knew were um, heavily maybe invested is the word in AA. And I would reach out to them and reached out to a few friends, people who I didn't, I wasn't worried about sharing um, my experiences with people who I haven't talked to maybe since high school was actually one, one person who um, has some stories himself, but you know, with the learned experience, we were able to just talk to each other and he kind of motivated me to um, make a change. So I started to cut back. So I started to come up with structure and routine. You know what? I'm not going to completely just, because I've tried it a million times. It's not going to be I'm going to wake up and not drink and, you know, I'll be okay. I'll I'll fight the cravings. I'll be okay. I'll stay busy. No, it was more, you know what? I'm going to drink today, but I'm also going to do AA. And I'm also going to watch how I drink, monitor how I drink. So it wasn't necessarily like a tapering, like I'm going to cut back. It's just I would try to fill that time with other things. So AA, for instance... I personally, I'm not involved with the steps, but I appreciated how at any time of the day, you can go online and hear stories and join meetings. And, you know, I mean, I, I would, uh, I would have zoom on and I'd be drinking boxed wine, but you know what? Like it started to take my focus and attention away from drinking. So then when I started to gain a little bit of traction, you know, I'm not drinking as much. You know, structure was key. You know what? I'm going to apply to this many jobs per day because I wasn't working. Um, I'm going to clean up this little corner of my room, of my apartment or whatever, just keep it clean. And so I was able to get some job interviews. And it was a good feeling. You know, I was unemployed for a few months. I got the excitement back because you know, working in social services, like social work, which is what I got my degree in, finally knowing that I was going to get back to that. Here's a second chance. Here's, here's the opportunity for me to step away from alcohol and focus on work. But I, I never told myself that I'm never touching it again. I'm never going to. No, I don't know. I can't predict the future. I'd like to say that I'm um, a super strong individual right now when it comes to fighting the cravings, but I don't know, but I can tell you that, um, yeah, right now I've been, see, going on about three, three months over, been working quite a bit. Life's great. Reconnected with family and friends. So still keeping it up. And you said yourself that you can never really guarantee that you would never drink again, but it certainly sounds like right now you're in a place that you can certainly say that today you will not be drinking. Absolutely. And, um, um, still a work in progress, but, um, I'm just grateful that there is support even when you, you don't even realize it. Um, yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah, thanks a lot. And thank you for, um, giving addicts like us a voice. One day at a time. It's a phrase commonly used when we're forced to confront problems as they come. Bills, money, relationships, and careers. 
It's all about a commitment to living in the now. But what does that mean when we're in recovery? Well, it's not all about being clean. It's about making a conscious decision to stay sober today. Because recovery from addiction is a long journey. It requires patience, persistence, and a commitment to developing new habits and new patterns of behavior one day at a time. I'm Quick Nick. Thanks for listening. Addicts in the Dark is brought to you in part by Melissa Armstrong Coaching. Check out Melissa Armstrong at www.strongarm.ca. That's www.strongarm.ca.